Welcome to the Complete Sinner's Guide. This is the show where we explore theology. You'll hear from a wide range of voices. Typically, you'd be hearing from Tyler right now, but as it turns out, he's dealing with a small little emergency. So joining us on the program, Joshua Davidson, back. Welcome, sir. Hey, how you doing, Noah? Um, like you said, I'm here, and hopefully that... Uh, but I'm excited to have this conversation tonight. Um, and with us again is uh, Pastor Dane Von Ace. And also we have our friend David from Pora joining us on this conversation. Well, uh, how are you doing? Hey, man, uh, I'm great, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. I'm glad to be part of this discussion. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, Josh, can you tell right. us can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up? Give us kind of an overview of, of, of what we're talking about tonight. Well, ultimately, the subject matter is going to uh, revolve around the, the idea of being, being tempted into or tempted away from uh, uh, things that we should or shouldn't do. Um, we're going to be going over uh, Matthew chapter 4 and uh, Christ's, experience with, um, Christ's experience with temptation as well. Um, we're going to be talking about whether or not temptation is a sin and how we should approach that, and ultimately how it is that situations that come at us when we're in temptation all right that should be uh that should be a very interesting discussion how was your week uh, my week was all right um i actually had uh, a a lighter week this week i had a back injury last week on friday and i was thankful that i had my wife give me a uh, set me up a doctor's appointment i went to the doctor and they gave me some decent pain management medication which i I'll be honest with you. I'm a stubborn guy. I don't like to take medications um, or go to the doctor, but I did in fact go, I didn't take them. I did a lot of stretching and by Tuesday I was able to go back to work on light duty. And by yesterday I was able virtually to go back to full duty. And so it was a lighter for me, but it was, it was a week. I feel like I got enough done Anyway, despite my, you know, limitations and, and aches and pains and such. And I was just, I'm, I'm just thankful to be at work. Sometimes I don't realize how much I miss that. that so the opportunity to serve or just the, the get out of the house factor kind of a thing? Uh, no, I, I actually like being at my house because I, I, you know, my wife is pretty much my best friend. So hanging out with her is always a plus. But also I got to hang out with my kids for the weekend and I was forced to sit still and just be, be there, you know, and uh, and though they and weren't how able did to that like, make you feel, me. Josh? How did that make you feel? Well, there he is. What's up, Tyler? Is that, is that, is that your thing, um, Tyler? You're just like, hey, you know what you know what I'll do? I'll just not listen to anything that Josh <laughs> Davis is talking about. I'll just ask him how he how does it make him feel? And That's then right. that puts and that puts all the work on him because now you better explain that to us, Josh. How does that make you feel? <laughs> ah, you stumped him, Tyler. I did. Uh, it's a little bittersweet not no. to be able to have my kids uh play jungle gym. Tyler, what's going on? How'd that how how do you uh what <clears throat> Well, now he's done throwing his daughter around, so. Here's the thing, man. When life throws you curveballs, you just kind of got to react, right? So what had happened was my little girl slipped and busted her uh, lip. She kind of bit. looks like she bit through her lip a little bit, and uh, she was bleeding pretty bad. And uh, my wife, she was freaking out, and this is literally three minutes before showtime. And so, yeah, well, that was kind of a, our crisis for tonight. But she's doing much better, and I'm excited to actually redo this conversation. I kind of caught a little bit of uh, the intro a little bit. Great job. Great job, guys. Really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with Dane and David back with us. And uh, so, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into it, shall we? Guys, What do you where, where do you want to go with this first? I mean, I know we kind of, uh, we kind of talked – uh, Matthew four last time, but what, what is it? Let me just ask you guys a practical question. We'll start with Dane. So what Dane, you being a pastor, what would you say to, uh, your congregation if they came up to you and said, you know, they're struggling with temptation. Like we all, we all struggle with this at one point or another in our Christian walk. Right. And so what would your answer be to that? Like, how do you begin that conversation with someone? Uh, I'm not sure Dane is actually uh, connected right now. I can't hear him. Oh, okay. He's, he's Dane, Dane is reading a connection lost. So from what I'm reading on his uh, yeah uh, little panel, so I don't know if he's actually here or not. David, yep. take the question, brother. How how would you 
uh, if somebody came up to you and asked you that, like how how to deal with temptation, what's your what's step one, bro? Like how do you how do you begin this process? Well, I think the first thing we have to do as Christians is to listen. Okay, what are you going through? You know, what can I? You know, not only are you gonna figure out what you can do to help at times, but ask them what they need. You know, I mean, that's the first step, bro. I mean, these are real people going through real issues. You know, we can't beat them up. And sometimes, like I said, uh, I think I said it on the show before. Sometimes you just got to wade in the ashes with them. You know, you just got to sit there with them, you know, uh, because you don't know exactly what they're dealing with. And the only thing you have to go on is what they tell you, you know, and then see what they need. Listen. Listening is a huge step that I think as leaders, whether you're an apologist, whether you're a pastor, uh, in many different leadership positions is that we have to listen. And I, I think sometimes we don't. Sometimes yeah. that, that it's easier – it's easier to give in to our temptation to be selfless and try to jump into that help mode than it is to actually deal with temptations of selfishness, you know? Right, so, bro. It's, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and that's what I'm telling you, man, is, is there's times where we just need to shut up and we need to listen and we need yeah. to explore <laughs> the depths of that stuff. And I know it's, it's, you know, that's like, pot and kettle with me because i like to talk you know but uh (laughs) i I do love to listen and you know i do have a reputation of actually listening to people uh and i I never knew it until you know i had people pm'ing me when my mom passed away telling me how much they respected me over it you know so i i took that and i was just like wow i was humbled it was a humbling experience, but I tell you what, man, I tell you what, listening is a key factor. Right. Josh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I know you, you talk about listening to people. Is Dane with us actually right now? I'm here. Uh, yeah. Dane just popped on. I can see him now. Yep. What is up brother, man? So like, how have you been? <laughs> I love it. Well, um, so since you, go ahead. I was good until about 15 minutes ago trying to get on here, and then I got stressed out. But now I'm on, so I'm happy again. Did did was there temptation in your life recently? I, I've had some temptation in my life <laughs> recently, very recently, yeah, like I, in the past 30 yeah, seconds. Like, <laughs> like I was about there was to, some temptation. I was about to throw my laptop across the room. <laughs> exactly, throw the laptop out the window, call it a day. You know, you know the underlying action, the underlying heart there may be sinful, but I don't think there's a direct scriptural thing that addresses throwing a laptop. <laughs> there's really That's not, true. So. That's true. It, it might have been, uh, you know, motivated by anger in the heart, but uh, if you're angry at technology, that's not the same as being angry with a brother, right? So Right, exactly. Look, man, Jesus— A lot of times it's a righteous anger. Here's the thing. In <laughs> the passages right. we're going to— in the passages we're going to go over tonight, it is written, is said a lot. Jesus quoted, it is written, it is written. And no, you're absolutely right. There's no verse that says, it is not written that thou shalt not throw a laptop out the window. So with that being said, no. Um, I asked Dave, I don't know if you heard, Dane, and so I want to get this, I want to ask you this question before we actually dive in to the scriptures tonight. But also, I want to tell our listeners, if you have a question for David, Dane, myself, Josh, Noah, about temptation, give us a call, one 450 We got open phones going on, and we we would love to answer your questions about this topic. But Dane, the question that I ask uh, David, what is the first step? Somebody comes to you. I'm struggling with temptation, Pastor. I, 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 we all struggle with multiple things, right? What is the first step in the process of actually overcoming these temptations and and, and eventually overcoming the sins that you know this temptation stems from? It's a great question because we want to be really practical in how we. Uh, fight against temptation because it's mm-hmm. it's something we all deal with on a daily basis. Like this is not some high lofty theology question that the academics are talking about. This affects every true believer. Um, yes. It affects it affects non believers too, for that matter. So I think that um, 
I'm, I'm a pretty pious guy. I'm a pretty uh, basic <laughs> pastor in a lot of ways. And so my first thing would be to tell them we got to get into the word and we got to pray. So we got to get into the word and make sure that what you're feeling as is <clears throat> a temptation is truly a temptation. Like, let's see if the Bible says that what you're feeling tempted about really is a sin, first and foremost. Right. And if the Bible says it's a sin, then we're going to start praying that God lift that temptation. Uh, we're going to start praying that God surround you with uh, godly men and women who will hold you accountable. And then after praying that, I might ask them, you know, what what steps could we take to surround yourself with accountability? So, you know, let's put some real flesh and bone uh, flesh on these bones. Um, yeah. Say somebody comes in and says, Pastor, I really struggle with, um, you know, inappropriate websites. I'm, I'm looking at pornography or something like that. Well, the first step that we're going to have to take is we're going to have to be accountable. We're going to have to set up um, internet blockers, or we're going to have to set up with, uh, you know, a, a wife or a, or a close friend or somebody that you can say, look at my internet history every single day to hold me accountable. Um, yeah. And so we're going to go to the word, we're going to go to prayer, and then we're going to set up a system of accountability to, uh, to match whatever the temptation is. And that's what we see. That's what we see in these passages with, with Jesus being the prime example of how a Christian is supposed to be. David and I talked about this in our debate with Brad and Seamus over the deity of Christ. If you haven't checked that out, go to our YouTube channel and check that out. It's a good discussion, hopefully a part one of many it discussions really to come, right? But mm -hmm. that's the thing. Jesus is our prime example of how to live. Now, a thought popped into my head while you were speaking, Dane, and I want to get your thought on it before we move forward in this. So think about this. And I don't know if anybody's ever brought this to you. Like I said, it just popped into my head. But Jesus is our prime example, right? He is the type. He is the archetype, right, of what a Christian should be. However, there's one thing that Jesus never did that we do on a daily basis, and that's fail. Jesus <laughs> never failed. Jesus never sinned. And we do, right? We do on a, on, on a daily. And so the thing I just want to say, and y'all can jump in after me on this one, but one, you're not alone, right? So don't think for a second like you're the only one struggling with something because you're not. Second, right, we're, like, again, if you miss the first, like, it, it, what had happened, the reason we're redoing this is because... <laughs> Noah, I'm going to blame you. No, I just I love you, buddy. No, no I, this one's on me. You know, here's, here's, the, here's the reality, right? So, yeah. I I don't I I'm I'm kind of behind the scenes, and I usually am in, in manning the board and doing all of the technical things. But that particular week, day job had me out of town, and so I was trying to do things remotely, and right. that's just just doesn't always go as well. And so we lost part of the episode, and that was 100 percent my fault. <laughs> we love you, man. It, mistakes get made, bro, but forgiveness, right? And so we're redoing this, and, and again, what we talked about last time, it is so important, and, and it's an art, I think, that's—I don't do it, right? I don't know if you guys do it or not, but memorizing Scripture. This <laughs> is something that Jesus quoted to Satan personally. Like, again, we'll get into this passage, Matthew chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to it. But this is a, a, a consistent theme that we see. Jesus is using Scripture and then taking uh, the, the passage in Galatians, or, or well, the, the sword of the Spirit. This is the only offensive weapon that we have. Like we've heard that said in Sunday school and, and all these different things. But the importance of it is this. Scripture is truth, right? And it is truly the only offensive weapon we have, the truth against battling lies and half-truths and all these different things that Satan, as we'll see, puts into the ear of us whenever he's tempting us. Yeah, I was, I was going to say um, that, that to, to kind of bring back both what David said and what Dane said, um, I think that, that it's crucial. You, you were asking me right when Dane popped up, um, listening genuinely listening because here's the thing as as people who are in a position to be spiritual leaders i know dane is pastoring i know that uh that that david is in a position to be able to have people that are um coming to him for counsel and for advice and and you know look at him as 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 something of a leader i know tyler you've got people that that look to you or listen to you and want to hear your advice on things and there are mm -hmm. constantly people that come to me for discipling and things like that as well as the guys at the mission and honestly um one of the things that uh 
that that it seems to be quick to happen with people who are in that position is we get used to our script of answers from things that we've encountered from our own experiences or perhaps from the average of experiences of other people that have come to us with similar problems. And we often try to pass off the first or most obvious answer to somebody without going through the thick of it and understanding where it is that they're coming from and why they're experiencing this temptation now versus then. Um, Dane brought up the example of something like sexual sin, specifically things like pornography and so forth. And, uh, and, I, and I know, Tyler, you and I have had conversations about things like this before. And um, one of the things that um, can be a deterrent honestly, is, is, is just being preemptive, not only um, with, with praying when you know that you're in a position of weakness, but also not allowing your, yourself uh, on purpose. You, you, you avoid situations that are going to facilitate uh, giving into that sin. So what I mean by that is if you notice that between the hours of, let's say, uh, 10 o'clock and 3 a.m., if you're awake and you're alone and you have your phone on you, um, and, and you're, you know, whatever other kind of things like it stacks together to give you this thing. And all of a sudden it becomes an option for you to go and find yourself a place by yourself and do this thing. Like instead of seeking that out and, and continuing to, to engage in that bad habit, uh, what you do is, 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 uh, preventatively you find yourself something else to do to substitute the bad habit with a good habit and a good habit that you can substitute it with honestly is prayer, uh, with, with, uh, reading the scripture or, um, watching, you know, sermons online or something like that. Um, if it's the case that having a screen in front of you is that thing that's going to, uh, facilitate for you going and, and giving into that temptation, then stop having a screen in front of you. And I don't need to be oversimplifying things, but really like paying attention to the subtleties of your own red flags that you're ignoring, because let's be honest, like by the time we get to the point where we're actually doing something we know we shouldn't do, we've ignored red flag after red flag. God's not right. leaving us alone. To figure it out. Like he's giving us a way out. That's part of scripture. Um, and so just just listening carefully to the person that's coming to you and also being able to help them to identify those red flags and supplement the bad habit with good habits. Yeah. You know, you know, Josh, you, you really hit a point that just resonates with my heart. And I just want the audience to hear that, like what I said about listening and then game given solutions, you know, there is a process here and there is that listening and then solutions and it's not scripted. And then there's the habits, right? right? Josh, you mentioned those habits and what are those good habits? Here's a solution. The fruits of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit are always, uh, you know, they just don't come out of the air and a light is following them. And it's, you know, you get that, oh, you know, it, it's it's not like that. It takes development. Those fruits of the spirits are good habits yeah. that we need to get into. They end, up, they end up helping us with the bad habits. And Tyler, you really hit a point when you're talking about the scripture. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, you know, I've told you this all week and – and even in our discussion that we had last week, I was talking to you about uh, the brilliancy of Scripture, You know how John is just a brilliant writer. But as I was looking over Matthew chapter 4 today, I saw a brilliance there that I never saw before, mm-hmm. right? And I saw Jesus' reverence for Scripture. Mm-hmm. And we have to have a reverence for the Scripture. We have to have that if we want to get over any temptation there's a level of having that reverence for scripture and knowing that is the holy spirit's out uh his 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 way of letting us get to know god mm-hmm. having that seriousness of scripture and being able to exegete it properly mm-hmm Right, we see that in the second temptation. I, I know I'm jumping a little ahead, and I'm not going to go too far, yeah. right? But Jesus corrects Satan with the proper exegesis, and it's there for us to learn. We don't have to be divided on it. We don't, right? Um, and there's a brilliancy in how it was written, and how not only that, and, and I hope that we're going to be able, when we get into these scriptures, I'll sh- I'll be able to point out some of these. Uh, uh, dual meanings that the text can just, 
you know, provide, you know, yeah. is not only that Jesus's reverence for Scripture, but being able to get into the mind of Christ to learn how to overcome those. There, so, yeah, it's it's amazing, and I hope we get time to go over it, but, like, everything that you guys are saying, like, yeah. and, and I hope your listeners are realizing that, you know, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. This is how he works. You know, you have one guy provide the listening, one guy providing the solution, the other guy providing, uh, um, you know, the other aspects of this and, and how to deal with it and mm-hmm. about bad habits and good habits. And then being able to flesh those what those habits are, you know, right. and then bringing it back to scripture. That's the Holy one, Spirit. One, Anyways, I, I'm done. Are, <laughs> I'm are pre- you are you done right I'm now? I'm done preaching, man. I'm done <laughs> preaching. I haven't I, I haven't called you a heretic, so uh, well, I good. did want to talk to you about oh! your Marcionite ways, but no. <laughs> hey, according hey, to Tyler, some, we're Marcion. One, can I add go one ahead. thing to what David was just saying? Yeah, um, go ahead. Because uh, he's he's absolutely right. Reverence for Scripture is going to be foundational for our Christian life. Um, yeah. If we don't have a high view of Scripture, we are not going to uh, be sanctified very quickly. Because what does Jesus say in John seventeen seventeen? He prays to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Yeah. And so um, I wanted to read, it, it popped into my mind, Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. This is the reverence for Scripture we need to have, the same reverence that the psalmist had. Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Um. All of those are just uh, different kind of ways of talking about the Word of God, the law, the decrees, the precepts, the ordinances, and it's all saying it's perfect, it's sure, it's wise, it's mm-hmm. uh, righteous. And um, when we when we read God's Word, it, it does um, increase our fear of the Lord, and, and uh, that fear of the Lord is pure and endures forever. And this kind of ties into Josh's point, sometimes— Sometimes temptations happen in a community that that does happen, but often they happen when we're in isolation, when we're all alone. And Mm. one of the biggest mistakes people make is thinking that they're ever truly alone. Mm. You're never alone. If you're a believer, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, who is a personal uh, member of the Trinity. And uh, so you're never alone. And if you're a non-believer, you aren't indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's still going to be around you because he's omnipresent, right? So mm-hmm. we're never truly alone. And uh, I think having a healthy fear of the Lord and saying, God is with me right now. God is in me right now. I don't want to grieve him. Um, that's that's another way to kind of guard our hearts from temptation is to just take a deep breath and say, hey, God's in this room with me. Um, I want to honor God right now. One eight five five four five zero six six two four is that number to dial. If you are just tuning in, we have Dane Von Ace, David Russell, Joshua Davidson, Noah Chalai, and myself, Tyler Fowler, talking about temptation, the practical applications of temptation. And Dane, I, man, I was going to save this for the end, but I want to hit on it now, and then I want to jump into these scriptures because, guys, we got thirty minutes left, and time is flying because we're having a good time. And I don't want to stop the conversation, but it, we, we kind of have to at some point, right? But here's the thing, and I want to get your opinion on it, Dane. We'll go around the table once, and then we'll jump into this passage. What do we do whenever we don't want to do what is what we're supposed to, right? Because here's the thing. What you guys are saying, I resonate with it so much. There is a time, there there's comes a point whenever each and every one of us have to fight and we have to resist, and I mean that in the most practical way you can, right? You have to do this. This is an active thing that we, as Josh likes to say, participate in. We do this. So whenever we're actually being tempted, we as Christians have the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We we have to remember that He is fighting for us, and like Josh said, and like David said, and like Dane said, he provides a way out. That's a promise. First Corinthians ten thirteen. That's a promise that he will provide a way of escape when we're being tempted and not allow us to be uh, tempted beyond our abilities. Right. And so here's the thing right. though, here's the other side of that. 
And since we're getting practical, let's get practical, right? What do I do whenever I don't want to? Because there are times whenever I know it would be better. I'm taking first year Greek again, right? I'm really excited about that. I know it'd be better to study my flashcards than to be in a room by myself with my phone because I'm tempted to fall to pornography as well. I haven't done it in a very long time, but I'm not over it by, by any stretch of the imagination, right? So I know it would be better to do that at that time. But there's sometimes, guys, I don't want to. What, what do I do then? Can I, can I jump on that one, actually? Because um, I, I think Please. that um, to, to kind of simplify it, and, and I'm sure Dane will probably agree, but have a different way of saying it, um, because this is really part of uh, like a pastoral ministry, but also part of being a Christian, um, being self-aware and things like that. Um, you, I, I, the way I like to imagine it is kind of like a mouse in, in a maze, right? If you place cheese at the end of the maze, the mouse will notice, but he has to be hungry, in order to go after it. Right. And like you said, there's those times when you know the right thing, but you're just not motivated. Right. Um, the other thing that can motivate you is not just the positive aspect of accomplishment, but also the negative aspect of fear of failure and be aware of what it means to actually be giving into sin. Um, because ultimately it's the, the Holy spirit is not the only spirit active in the world. Um, and, and it's really useful for us to understand the sin that's knocking at our door, uh, as something like the whispers of a demon who wants to be placated, uh, a dragon who would really love to be fed. Uh, and it's really a very important question to ask yourself, who or what are you feeding right now? Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Um, and, and I would say yes and amen to all that. Uh, you know, there's, there's a story from my childhood. I signed up to play uh, to play basketball on a team, and um, midway through the season, I wanted to quit, and my dad wouldn't let me. And I was like, very frustrated. I was like, I'm not one of the better players. I sit on the bench. I, I'm not enjoying it. And he said, Yeah, but you made a commitment to your team, and you have to see it through. And so I know that this may sound really basic, but it's much deeper than people probably give it credit for often. Christ is our Lord. And when we make that confession with our mouth that he's our Lord, we are, we are saying that we'll do what he tells us to do because that's the relationship of the Lord to his people. That's the relationship of the Lord to his subjects is he gets to command us and we do what he says, right? So if Jesus mm, says, yeah. go and get the water, I got to go and get the water. Um, and uh, then, then it's like, okay, I, I want to be faithful. I want to be a good loyal servant to the Lord. I want him to uh, be the one who's giving me the commands. I want to follow them. How do I, how do I live that out even on days where I don't want to? And here I'm going to bring in my, uh, my Methodism because I am a Methodist. Um, I, I come from the stream of uh, tradition of John Wesley. And uh, the reason method is in the name is because uh, the early Methodists were incredibly strict about uh, their schedule, right? They had a, a time slot for everything they would do. So you wake up and you pray at this time. You study your Bible at this time. You eat at these times. You go serve uh, at the soup kitchen or in the prisons at these times. And you map out your day and you put it on your schedule. And uh, and you you force yourself basically to follow that that calendar you've set for yourself. And so I actually think that that's a big part of it. Don't have open-ended days with your spirituality. Um, have, have a set time that you pray, have a set time that you read your Bible and stick to it every day to the best of your ability. Like people know when to find the CSG podcast at, you know, six central on Fridays because you've scheduled it and you've committed to that schedule. So you do that with your spiritual life. I'm going to pray at, um, six in the morning. I'm going to pray at, uh, you know, uh, noontime and I'm going to pray before I go to bed. I'm going to read my Bible at, at, as soon as I get home from work, you know, these kind of things and you right. stick to it. And once you build those routines, once you've, once you've gotten into the rhythm of those routines, they'll stick with you. It'll just become a part of your daily rhythm. Yep. They become those habits. They, yeah. They really yeah, do. They absolutely. become the habits. Go ahead, David. Oh, we're, we're, we're on the same page, man. I was just going to say, yeah, that that's the habit, you know, the habits that uh, will overcome the, uh, some of the minor things, but I also want to come at it from a different perspective of the, the, you know, kind of a practical way, because I think there's times we beat ourselves up too much, you know, 
And I think we suffer sometimes with real apathy. You know, we, you know, we are human. We do fall. We are, you know, and the thing is, and I don't know if it's with you guys as it is with me, but I've noticed when I've reached a low point, because I do suffer with depression and, and anxiety, that that apathy becomes very real. However, however, no matter what happens in my life, sometimes God drags me back. You know, and when you're dealing with that, I, I and that's kind of like the position I want to approach here is that when you are at those points where you're like, I don't feel like doing this. And yeah, we beat ourselves up a little bit, but sometimes it's those steps, it's those goals, it's those habits that will end up getting us through. It's that faith that we have. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I am at my lows, when I'm when I'm apathetic. It's those times, it's those times that I know that I can rely on his word. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that's the only thing I can rely on is that, you know what, no matter how I'm feeling, if, if I am like pushing God away, God's not going to let me because <laughs> right. I'm yeah. in his hands. You know, I'm that's in right. his hands yeah. and I know in my heart where I truly want to be and he knows my heart. And that yeah. turns me around. And, you know, because um, sometimes I can build up some of the greatest habits, but then, like, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I can go off a rabbit trail. Oh, and yeah. Then, like, <laughs> and, and then that apathy hits me. And then that, that, sure. that, that, dis- uh, you know, you despise yourself in a way. Yeah. And that, and that affects you. And then that causes more apathy. And it's, the spirit of God that will bring you back and his kindness, his kindness leads you to repentance. And he my gosh, angry. it is so real and it's so rejuvenating when you are able to step outside yourself mm-hmm. and look into the box. So, yes, we can provide solutions. We can make goals. And when we do fall apart because we're we're going to fall apart at times. Oh, yeah. He will pick us back up. He will pick those those pieces of your heart that have fallen out and put them back together. And to me, that that is a miracle, and that is beauty, and that is the 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 canvas of life. Is that you know, and that's you know, the canvas of life and the tapestry and the painting he creates. And when you step out and look at it, that would even give you even more motivation. So I don't know if that Amen. helps, but it looks, yeah. it, it is from a, a different perspective, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with what everybody's saying too, but yeah, look at it from that way too, because there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why I employ uh, the very first part of this was listening because sometimes, yeah. sometimes there's nothing we can do, but to listen and to hear what somebody's going through. How do you combat yeah. apathy when you're a leader? And, you know, because the person doesn't care, you know, yeah. they get to that point. And at some points, it's only the word of God that you can rely on to get you through. Amen. Speaking of the word of God, Tyler, you got that passage pulled up in Matthew 4, bro? I do, actually. And I wanted to jump into that right now. David, I know you had some things that you wanted to say about that. Um, so, and, and Dan, I know you did too. But, David, where do you want to go exactly in for? Do you just want me to start in one and just start reading and then stop me? Or how do you want to do this? No, you can read the whole thing and we can go over all of it, man. I, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, we can go as, as long as, as you guys can go. I know you only have an hour. So, just we'll yeah. try to get through it as, as fast as we can. Um, All right. Like I said, we just let it flow. All right. Speed version then. So I'm reading from the ESV now. I'm just fine. Um, And then, yeah, I'll read it. And then we'll uh, we'll start back in verse one. So then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So there is the passage. And all right, uh, David, what do you uh, what you got, Bob? Wow, I mean, we got so much in that in that that <laughs> we we got so much, man. Um, I, I look at the first one, and there's a dual aspect here. Okay, we can harken back to Genesis and the second Adam, Adam, as Jesus doesn't fail, right? We can look at that. We can see that there's this 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 idea that uh, you can. You, you can either rely on yourself mm-hmm. and your own strengths, or you can wait on God, right? So right. It, it, Jesus was, it, it, you know, Jesus didn't fail where Adam failed, right? Mm-hmm. However, the devil here and, and Satan is, is basically bringing this up to him, like, if you are the son of God, what happened right before that? The God came down, the baptism, and God said, you are my son. What happened to Adam? God really didn't say that, did he? So we have this, this idea that the word of God is challenged. We can't see that when we first read it. We, we look at the hungry aspect, right? But there's a lot more going on here. There's a challenge to God's word, right? Mm-hmm. And then there is Jesus, who is God's word. So, like, uh, I'm looking at, like, yes, he is fully God, fully man. He's hungry. However, he's fasting, right? And I love his response. You know, not only does Jesus show this reverence for God's word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. We all need to live by the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's more precious. Nothing's more important. If I'm dying in a desert— and I have the word of God with me, that's all I need, right? The angels are there the whole time. As the angels are there in the end, they've been there the whole time to minister to me, right? Mm -hmm. However, however, I'm hungry and I'm fasting. And when it comes to temptation, you know, it's never just about you. (laughs) It's going to affect other people. If Jesus were to fall— what would happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Ain't that sacrifice. Right? We're <laughs> right? dead in our sins. Right. We're still dead, right? So, uh, <laughs> but that's not the case, right? So we see that uh, uh, Jesus responds, right? And what does he do? He uses the word of God to respond. Mm-hmm. You know? Challenge to the word, challenge accepted, right? Jesus is fasting. Yes, Jesus had the very power to turn those stones into bread which kind of i don't know how you can not get the deity of christ out of that how can you turn anybody turn stones into bread (laughs) right right so you get this idea that jesus is uh able to do this he's hungry physical needs are essential i mean you need to eat to live right Mm -hmm. however it wasn't the right time it wasn't the right time for him to eat because he was on a fast and he was waiting on god to be his provision and Jesus looks at the devil here right in his face, and he says, I would rather die than disobey God and break this fast. I would rather wait on his provision than to uh, turn these stones into bread and fulfill my needs. Notice also what's happening there when, he's, when, when Satan first shows up is it says that he was fasting for 40 days and that he was hungry. You notice it's when you've made a commitment to stay away from something that that temptation really rears its head. And it's like we don't really know the strength of our temptations until we try to stand up against them. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way. You don't know the strength of the wind if you're laying down. You have to stand against it. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's there's something about making that commitment like we were talking about earlier that really makes the temptation a ferocious confrontational kind of thing. 
Um, Dane, I know that be, being a pastor, I'm sure you, because you have eyes on you from your congregation, you know what it's like to be seen and have that position to like, if the, if I, if I take this little thing, right, if I do this sin, even in sparing, my congregation will think it's okay to take it to excess. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. You, you, you have to be, um, you have to be extra cautious of, of your own actions as an elder in the church. And the, you know, the Bible is, uh, very clear about that, that, teachers in the church are going to be held to a higher standard on judgment day than, than laity. Right. And, um, as it should be, because you, you are a, you're a model of the faith. Um, of course, Jesus is the greatest model and people should look past their pastor and onto Christ, but pastors still right. are role models for the faith. Um, and you know, I, I love how, uh, David brought up that Jesus here is, is the second Adam, the greater, uh, of the two. But uh, I also see a, that he is the greater Israel, right, and the true Israel. So yeah. Israel's in the desert for 40 years, and they are succumbing to one temptation after another, whether it's the whole group committing idolatry by worshiping a, a, a golden calf, whether it's Moses uh, striking the rock when he was supposed to speak to it, or whether it's their grumbling the whole time against God. And, and here's what's really interesting, because— we see the parallel of, well, they, they failed in the wilderness for 40 years, and Jesus succeeded in the wilderness for 40 days. But actually, it's kind of interesting when you think about how they asked God for uh, for food, right? And God provided man right. for him. And then they get mad that it's not good enough, right? They want meat. <laughs> they want, and, and so God sends quail. So, like, they were hungry, and God gave them bread and said, here, eat. And they still weren't satisfied. Jesus is fasting for 40 days. He is very hungry. He's famished. Um, Josh, I think the first time we recorded this, you said, uh, what an understatement, biggest understatement in the Bible, that he was hungry. Yeah, he was really yeah. hungry. Um, and, uh, and, and he doesn't eat, and he doesn't turn the stones to bread, and he, he doesn't give in to the temptation, and he doesn't complain either. And that's another big thing. It's it's not enough to just avoid the temptation. We don't even want to complain about how we wish we could have that temptation fulfilled, right? Right. So there's something interesting in that too. Jesus not only defeats the temptations, but he doesn't even complain uh, either. So, yeah. And I think jumping onto the second temptation there also, because we're we're running out of time quick. I'm looking at the clock. Here. It's crazy. Um, I'm really enjoying. It, guys. I, I I hope you guys understand hey, how enjoyable this is. Josh, it's real fun. quick, let me ask you guys this: um, Do you guys want to continue this conversation next week? Are you guys? I busy? wouldn't mind. I should be able to. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, Dane. If you, you know what I mean. But I, yeah. I, I think there's a lot more that needs to be said. Like I, I've got so many thoughts running through my head right now. Yeah. On this. Right. And yeah, I'm down wanna, too, but. Okay. All right. Let's do that then. So go ahead. Uh, whoever wants to jump in on this. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to jump back in uh, just to talk about the response factor here. Um, and when I was, when I was first getting into proper exegesis of certain texts, mm -hmm. uh, I learned that, you know, there's so much of scripture that can become, that, that can come to life to you. Right. Yeah. So like I'm looking at this temptation and I'm seeing that I can actually time travel in a way, you know, I can get into the mind of Christ and know what he's thinking about. Yes. And that really blew me away that like I can basically be uh, a what is it? A, a fly on the wall, you know, and see what Jesus is doing because he gives us the ability to look back in time and get into his mind about how he dealt with this temptation. You know, he quotes, you know, man should not live by bread alone. Well, that's he's remembering a time in God's word. And not only that, but a time in Israel's past where yeah. uh, that happens in Deuteronomy 8, 6. Right. Mm -hmm. So he quotes the scripture at that point. You can like you can see where he's at. You can see where Jesus is. You can get in his mind. And to me, when I was exegeting that and realizing that for the first time, it moved mountains for me. Yeah. 
And I thought that was so cool. Like if you want to learn how to deal with temptation and you want to learn how to get in the mind of Christ, you can come to this passage and learn how that's done. And that was cool. No, absolutely, man, because it's happening right then and there. Like, this is history being recorded, and you're right. I love, I love, man, how you've said, you know, it's like time traveling, right? Because you're right. I want to read just one thing from the Reformation Study Bible real quick, and because it reigns true, and it, oh, man, just hear, hear this out real quick. So it says this, Historically, the church has echoed the teaching of Jesus by affirming that the Bible is the Vox Dei the voice of God, or the verbum day, the word of God. To call the Bible the word of God is not to suggest that it was written uh, with God's own divine hand or that it fell from heaven in a parachute. The Bible itself clearly calls attention to its many human authors. In a careful study of Scripture, we notice that each human author has his own peculiar literary style, vocabulary, special emphasis, perspective, and the like. Since the production of the Bible involved human effort, how can it be regarded as the Word of God? The Bible is called the Word of God because of its claim, believed by the church, that the human writers did not merely write their own opinions, but that their words were inspired by God. The Apostle Paul writes, All scriptures breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3.16. And when we say that the Bible is inspired by God, which is a translation from the Greek word meaning God breathed, God breathed out the Bible, just as we must expel breath from our mouths when we speak. So ultimately, Scripture is God speaking. And if anything, like just nailing down really the practical application of temptation, beginning with getting to know God's Word, this is why this is so important. Jesus probably had the Bible memorized, right? But at the same time— Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, he wrote it in in one sense, but— This is why this is so important. This in in we talked about Jesus being the archetype of a Christian's sanctification, right? What a Christian should look like in their walk with God. And this is the offense that he went to, not really reminding Satan of what scripture said, but telling the truth about scripture. We got to remember Satan twists scripture. That's what he does. I mean, and he's really good at it. That's what he did with Eve, and it's it, it, it's the it's the oldest trick because it's the trick that's most effective. But knowing Scripture and knowing the truth, like David said a while ago, and resting in that whenever you're tempted, knowing that God is faithful, knowing that there's a door whenever you see it, go through it, right? Knowing that God is faithful and providing those things for you, knowing that you're not alone, and that he is with you in those times that you are stressed, that you are angry, that you are sexually frustrated even, right? Like all of these times whenever temptation is raging inside you, first and foremost, Jesus dealt with it to an extremity that we will never, ever face. He dealt with sin in 100% magnitude, right, in, in its fullness with the, with the it being portrayed by, the, by, you know, Satan tempting him, right? That's Jesus experiencing temptation in its fullness, right? And, and and whenever we go through that, we're not alone. He's been there. He's dealt with it. And not only that, but he's overcome it. And we have to remember that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, uniting us all, connecting us all like that. We can rely on him to provide and to produce those fruits of the Spirit. We can rely on our brothers and go to them and talk to them whenever we're feeling like that, right? Like, I know I've called Josh many a times whenever I'm right in the middle of temptation and say, bro, I am struggling. Help me out. You know, that's just, and eventually you get your mind off of it whenever you do those things. But at the end of the day, what if you don't take away anything else from this episode, take away this get to know your Bible, get to know Scripture. I don't care what Bible translation you're using, unless it's the message, get rid of that garbage. (laughs) But in all reality, I don't care if you're a TR. I don't care if you're Westcott and Hort. I don't care if you even know what that means, right? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then it don't apply to you, and don't worry about it. But get a Bible, get into it, and get to know God's truth. Also, just just touching real quick because I'm I'm not sure how much time we have left. Maybe a couple of minutes. But uh, uh, on on the fact that 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 Tyler has called me when he's in temptation, and I've called Tyler when I'm when I'm in a spot where I'm st- uh, struggling with something, and 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 like he said, it's the way we phrase it now is take your mind off of something, right? 
Um, but really what you're doing when you're calling and, and confiding and asking your brothers and sisters for counsel and for clarity, what you're doing is not just taking your mind off of something, but putting your attention on something specifically. It's not just the idea. And I, I say this with the guys at the, at the recovery program at the mission is, you know, if I told you, stop thinking of a pink elephant, stop thinking of a pink elephant. No, you stop it. Stop thinking of that pink elephant. And you, you just tell yourself, no, do it. no, it's like, there's nothing else in your head when you tell yourself that. What you have to do instead is give yourself something else as a substitute. Rise higher. You know, it's not just a no. It's not just saying no to this one thing. It's saying yes to something else. That's what really does it. That's what really gets the goat is, is, is you, can, you can see how, how uh, uh, Jesus does it here. He not only says no to the temptation of Satan saying, hey, you should do this to feed your appetite. He said, no, I'm going to say yes to obeying and listening to God instead. And when Tyler calls me and says, hey, I'm struggling with this thing, and then we talk about it, then we talk about other things, and it begins to rabbit trail off that thing. His mind is not only off of that, it gets onto something else. And usually it's something that transcends the lower base passions and desires of the flesh. And we end up talking about something really deep and profound, and it really gets your mind off of it. And so confiding in one another is crucial. Scripture is is our primary offensive weapon against temptation. Uh, the more we know it, the more we uh, believe it, the more we live it out, uh, the more we will be able mm-hmm. to overcome temptation. And uh, so that's absolutely true. Um, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, so we can we can hack through our temptations with, with that sword. And then I just want to echo Josh's point as well that, um, yeah, there's a reason that we're, we're supposed to live in community. There's a reason we're not supposed to neglect the gathering of the saints. There's a reason we're supposed right. to be one body in Christ. There's a reason we're supposed to bear with one another and encourage one another and love one another and forgive one another. Uh, we're not supposed to live this Christian life alone. It's not a religion of isolation. It's not a lone wolf religion. In fact, if you're doing Christianity in a lone wolf way, I would suggest that you aren't actually doing Christianity. And so right. we, uh, we, we help each other through the temptations. We help each other talk through them. We help each other take our minds off of it. We help distract each other, um, get past the like intense moment of the temptation. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, that's the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood. And I love that. Amen. Dane Von Ays, David Amen. Russell, Joshua Davison. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Come back next Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central for part two of this discussion. You can find all of our episodes, completecenters.com. Good night. God bless and stay like Christ.